fight And we don't have to kill Everybody in the whole wide world Really just needs to chill No, we don't have to fuss No, no, no We don't have to Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Just Chill with Oliver George. It's episode 37 now. And I'm extremely excited to share this week's guest with you. But before I get to that, as always, I want to remind you, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, and for whatever reason you'd prefer an audio-only version, you can access that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Opposite to that, if you're listening to me right now and you didn't realize there was a visual side to the show, please come check it out on YouTube. However you choose to enjoy the episode, though, please, please subscribe, share, like, follow, whatever the case may be. I'm trying to build this show from the ground up, so your support really does mean a lot to me. And finally, if you want to contact the show, maybe you've got a cool guest idea or some general feedback, you can hit me up at justchillpodcasting at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's guest. I had the chance to sit down with the incredibly talented cartoonist, Derek Everenden. He is the creator and illustrator of an awesome comic called Bogart Creek. If you have not heard of it, go look it up right now on Instagram or go to bogartcreek.com. It is hilarious. It's honestly one of the things I look forward to most when I check in on Instagram because every single one of his comics always makes me laugh out loud. Uh, he does single panel comics, sort of a, a la Far Side, if you know The Far Side by Gary Larson. Uh, his own style, though, completely. Just, just great stuff. And uh, it's very dark and absurd humor, so it's right up my alley. Um, but you know what? It turned out we had so much in common. We had already had some great chats online uh, after meeting a couple years ago um, digitally. But this was the first time we actually had a face-to-face, -face, so to speak, conversation uh, over Zoom. So uh, we became fast friends, and it was just a great chat. So I really hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much, man, for taking the time to talk to me. My pleasure. Uh, I'm a big fan of your work, as I've told you in the past, and uh, you're one of the things I look forward to on Instagram. I'm getting much and more uh, disillusioned with social media in general, but I got to keep Instagram at least because I love seeing your stuff. So um, uh, thank thanks you again, much. man. And I'm disillusioned with social media too, so we've got, we got plenty in common. <laughs> I think a lot of people are hitting that point right now, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I guess when you... you we spend our time in front of screens a whole lot more than this, at least in the last uh, eight months. Uh, than ever before I guess you know anything gets a little bit tired after a while <laughs> but I mean screens is like such a, a broad term because I find uh, the opposite is is true where like the few times where I'm actually allowing myself to just chill out and watch a movie which I mm -hmm. don't do very often it's right. been really nice and calm to just kind of you know put the rest of the world on hold yeah. whereas like social media specifically and Facebook and, and all that crap that's a whole other beast in my mind absolutely right yeah usually now when I pop on Facebook, I immediately just click on the Bogart Creek tab just to see what is going on with, with that page. Yeah. And I try and just, I, I try not to look at everything else because it just, it either bores me or depresses me or stresses me out, but it rarely does it delight me, you know, or it rarely does it sort of pick me up. Um, well, I just saw a, uh, a thing on YouTube last night. It was, uh, I guess, a mini documentary or whatever. And they were talking about just the amount of dopamine release that you get from clicking those notification tabs or getting that message that you're expecting. And likewise, with people with uh, porn hub addictions and stuff like that, it's, it's up there with cocaine as far as what it's doing to your brain. So, uh, I mean, I worry the most about young kids who have tablets when they're three and stuff like that. But Oh, yeah, no, I can't imagine it. I mean... I don't unless they just unless they just grow up so totally savvy that it doesn't phase them at all and they're not afraid of their entire lives being public and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. Or maybe there'll be a backlash and people want to be completely invisible. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. 
I don't know. But yeah, yeah. the dopamine thing definitely is, is, is real. And I was just reading the other day about stuff like Tylenol affecting that, changing your personality. It's paracetamol, right? I think that's the active ingredient. Oh, okay. Um, and I thought it was it acetaminophen. Uh, or that's the name of the drug. One of them's in Tylenol. One of them's in, well, there's ibuprofen. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's paracetamol. Advil, yeah. Paracetamol was one of the ones that was mentioned. Also statins that I guess are used for high blood pressure and cholesterol and that sort of thing. And, and they're, they're apparently like personality altering for some people. Wow. Um, like paracetamol can numb you um, to pain, but also to like empathy and stuff like that. Um, oh, Shutting down your emotions a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, so it just shows how little we know about the brain and how vulnerable or sensitive it really is. And yeah, you throw in social media with the likes or the no likes even though Instagram's trying to curb that a little bit, I guess, um, you know, you at least don't know what other people's likes are now, <laughs> which is, yeah. I guess, <laughs> helps a thing. bit. Yeah, well, a bit. I mean, the, the worst is really, I think, with the developing minds of, of the younger people. I mean, obviously, social media is not great for adults either, but yeah. when your brain is still being formed and, and sort of figuring out what shape it's going to take on, I think that's the most yeah. alarming for me is what are we doing okay. to our youth right now with all this? Yep. And you've got kids, right? Yeah, I have three. Yeah. Yeah. So you probably lose some sleep over that. <laughs> do you, do uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, luckily for me, uh, they haven't really, they just got some sort of iPods for Christmas, but it's not the same as like a full on phone and they're not on Facebook or any of that stuff yet. They're just using it for messaging and uh, photos and stuff like that. But yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, my son turns 12 tomorrow. So it's his last year before he's in the teens. And uh, I'm definitely, you know, it's, it's worrisome stuff, but what can you do? You just try your best and keep going. Turns 12 on New Year's, New Year's Eve. Yeah. Wow. I know. It's a weird birthday. I always uh, feel bad for him. I mean, during normal school years, because uh, even pandemic aside, it's hard to organize a birthday party for a kid because yeah. his birthday takes place when everyone's on holidays. So he usually ends up having a birthday party like at the end of January somewhere. And he's were you guys always, hoping that were you guys hoping that he would wait till like midnight so he could be the, potentially one of those firstborn babies of the new year? That would have been simpler because uh, when he was in kindergarten, we actually put him in with, with the following class because we thought, all right, you know, I'd rather he be the oldest yeah. than I'm, I'm a December baby as well as my brothers. Um, so yeah. we always felt kind of shitty at sports and, and all that, you know? So um, <laughs> we, we put him in, in junior kindergarten at the top of his class sort of thing. And then we had to switch schools cause his mom moved uh, a little further out and senior kindergarten, we dropped him off. And then when it came ho uh, to pick him up at the end of the day, they said, oh yeah, like we bumped him up to grade one. They didn't even really tell us. They just decided <laughs> and oh, well. put, him, put him in his appropriate year. So, you uh, know, well, he's doing okay though. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, I know it's actually Malcolm Gladwell's was his first book or his second book was about, it was about that with regards, particularly in regards to sports, which he touched on. Yeah. Uh, that kids born earlier in the year are, have a total advantage in sports. Um, well, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're, yeah. When you're growing that quickly to be six, seven months behind the, uh, the rest of the class, you're going to get, yeah, you're not well, going to, you're going to be on the bench. <laughs> especially when you're hitting like uh, junior high and, and those kids are getting the hair on their legs a little sooner and whatever yeah. else, you know, then it can be yeah. a, a social thing too, where you feel like, totally. you know, you're not quite as manly as your buddies are becoming or whatever. Yeah. It's not cool until you're actually old and then you look a little bit younger than everybody else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the other end of this book. Okay. Well, I want to get into, we, we just kind of went off on a tangent there, but I want to talk about who you are a bit here with Bogart Creek. If anyone doesn't know, they should check out bogartcreek.com or look up Bogart Creek on Instagram. 
you do what you describe as single panel comics of dark and absurd humor, which I think is an apt description. Um, but I, I honestly, like I said, it's one of my highlights of the day is checking out your stuff because I think your comics are just brilliant. I don't know where you keep coming up with these, but please don't stop. Oh, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Um, oh, dude. Like, it's, it's the best. My dad follows you now. Everybody, I tell everyone about your stuff. I, I brought, uh, oh, damn it, they're upstairs. But I bought your books for both my brothers, as I told you. Oh, well, you got I them. There you go. Have them right here. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you've got a Wicked Bundle deal on the website that I bought them from. So uh, anyone, buy those and you won't regret it. Um, so I want to talk, though, just where were your, your origins in art and cartooning and just how did you get into all this to start off? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I've, I've drawn my whole life. My brother's an artist as well. He's, he's better than me, actually. He's amazing at drawing, like, photorealistic stuff. Okay. Um, it's interesting. He's only just started doing sort of cartoon-style illustrations, like, now. Um, he's always maintained that he, he couldn't do that. But I don't know if it was just that we each carved out our niches and respected each other's expertise or something. And so yeah. I didn't try and do what he was doing and vice versa. But anyway, um, uh, no, I... My, both my parents are fairly artistic people. They didn't have the opportunity to go to art school just from, you know, just based on how, how they were, you know, the environments they were raised in and the opportunities that were available. Fortunately, my brother and I, like, they, they still were very keen on encouraging us to be artistic. And so uh, from an early age, we were, re, you know, just constantly reinforced that, you know, drawing is great. and That's a great drawing you just did and all that kind of thing. So I kept it up. Uh, it's kind of like playing music, you know, you, at the beginning, it might seem like a struggle, but later on, you're glad you kept it going. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we both wound up being enrolled at Unionville High School um, in Markham, well, in Unionville, technically, uh, who, which has at least used to have, I don't know if it still does, an arts, the Arts York program, okay. sort of a fame school. We were just spoiled. It was incredible. You, you audition to enter and, 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 and then you get like, uh, in addition to integrated arts where you do like music and, and drama and that kind of thing, you also get somehow they managed to work it out so that you got in your regular academic um, day, you also were able to get, you know, art training. So I had like life drawing classes three days a week for oh, like, wow. pretty much at least uh, three years in university, um, you know, sculpture classes, photography at a dark room. Like it was crazy. Um, we were yeah, just so lucky. And during that time I started, you know, doodling in the margins. There was no cartooning class. Um, oh. But, you know, I grew up on, I grew up on Chuck Jones and Fred Quimby cartoons. And, you know, then later on, I was also into D&D. So I discovered like the art of Frank Frazetta and he did cartooning and then Bernie Wrightson, which was sort of in the same vein, but more like horror stories, that kind of thing. And the swamp thing, right? And that got me more and more towards, you know, everyone goes through their superhero phase until they realize oh, still it. In it yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to draw superheroes and, you know, like quickly and in a convincing way. Like it's, you know, uh, my teachers in, 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 in high school poo-pooed, you know, comic book art as, 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 as not being true art or whatever. But after trying it for many years and getting rejected and that sort of thing, I realized, no, you have to have like an incredible fundamental understanding of anatomy and yeah. perspective. And then there's the whole just the flow of the board, the panel, the panel thing, what you don't show, you know, what you leave out between the gutters, all that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I wound up um, uh, eventually... Uh, going into uh, caricature because when I was at university in my early years, my summer job was doing caricatures on Ontario Place um, when it was Ontario Place. And uh, that sort of got me back to cartooning full force again. And um, again, it was, it was live. I can't, still can't believe I did that. I'm an introvert. I don't know where I found the, <laughs> the cojones, but um, you know, it made, you, made me draw really fast, maybe come up with gags. 
in advance because you'll get like a busload of kids. A lot of time I was drawing in Children's Village. Uh, you get a bunch of kids all come up and they all want to be drawing, doing baseball or basketball or whatever the first kid said he wanted that got them all excited. And then they all just like, oh, I want that too. So suddenly I had to have 10 original, I couldn't redraw the same joke, you know, for the tiny body and the big head to have. Yeah. Um, so I started in my downtime, uh, just coming up with, uh, you know, what different gags can I come up with for a baseball player or a basketball player or a football player or anything I could think of, because they, they throw you for curveballs all the time. Um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe that's sort of the start of the gag cartoon thing. I mean, I grew up on, on, on Gary Larson in the far side and, had some shameful imitation, you know, periods where I, you know, I tried to do that or, or the alternative would have been Jim Unger's Herman. Um, yeah. You know, I probably still got old, old attempts at duplicating those comics um, from my, from probably from high school. Um, yeah. And then I, you know, I, like I said, I fiddled around, tried to get into comic books. Um, just wasn't, uh, either didn't try hard enough because I really didn't get rejected that much or, or real, I just, I never had really the, 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 you know, proficiency in anatomy and that kind of thing. Like I can, you can fudge a lot more with cartoons. The other frustrating yeah. thing was, and now I've, this works to my advantage, but I found at the time that, you know, uh, everybody always responded more to my rough sketches than they did to my finished polished work. Um, because with the rough sketches, you're not uptight, you know, you're mm -hmm. it's free flow. It's a, it's yeah. Gesture. Yeah. And I mean, that's what the caricatures were at Ontario place. You know, I, we used a Marquette marker as a big thick felt tip permanent marker on paper. There was no erasing. There was no going back over it. You know, what came out, came out and then you charge them, you know, they paid you hopefully. Um, and you draw, you'd have a crowd around you too. So, you know, you really had to, you had to sort of have a good, you know, um, picture in your brain before it came out because yeah yeah anyway seems, um oh yeah. sorry i was just gonna say that seems really intimidating to do caricatures i've always thought that because what if you piss someone off and they don't care for the likeness yeah. have you ever had someone like blow up on you in that situation no actually i was known as sort of the nice caricaturist okay. i wanted to sell everything i was yeah i was pretty cowardly um my characters <laughs> were cute um especially when you're drawing kids i mean there's nothing i mean yeah, like a 10-year-old a girl with her mom looking over your shoulder. What are you going to, like, you're going to yeah. make fun of the way she looks, right? Like, that's yeah, yeah, exactly. careful in that situation. And and similarly, yeah, I just found with adults as well. I think the worst, the worst moment I had was when I was drawing a couple's portrait of two people who were pretty overweight, and they wanted to be drawn holding hands walking on the beach. Yeah. I was just like, how do I, like, I you know, I had a master. Pardon me? How would you make it look flattering in that case? Yeah. yeah. And I try to chat them up too to get a sense of their, their, the limits of their sense of humor. You know, like, do they want me to do something that's like, because this, this would be a full body caricature in that, in that case. Usually mm -hmm. I'm lucky enough that people want to be like in a race car or in a uniform of some a kind. A dune you know? buggy is the one they always... Uh, the yeah, yeah, or gladiators or just something where you can kind of, it's really more about the portrait and then the rest is just like a generic body you throw in. But in this case, they wanted like, yeah, I want to be in a bikini. I want to be on... I'm just like... I didn't have any gags prepared for that because couples portraits are pretty rare anyway. So I wound up just doing a nice portrait of them. And I think, you know, I probably slimmed them down a little bit and they, you know, they were like, Meh, you know, but I felt awful because I realized, I think at that moment, I realized that, that it's worse to, to downplay somebody's, um, how to put it, idiosyncrasies than yeah. to, uh, than to, to do something cute with them. Which is what I spoke, I spoke to the other caricaturists, uh, afterwards about what they would have done. Cause I was mortified. I, I felt so bad. You know, it's just, I don't like disappointing people in general, you know, I'm, I, and, and in that case, I really felt like maybe I'd insulted them by not drawing them the way they see themselves, perhaps. Like, I, I just didn't know they're completely yeah. strange. 
That's they a weren't really... wearing bathing suits when they sat down for me either, right? So I was just, I was kind of you know, like trying to not to look, but also look, you know, like so. Yeah. Like how many roles uh, do we got here? Yeah, like you, I mean, I'm used to looking from here up, and I can, yeah. you know, that I can get, but you know, and and I know what the threshold is because I, I there were there were artists who had their cartoons ripped up right in front of them by people who were upset. Oh wow! Yeah, um, and I never wanted that to happen to me. You don't get paid for one thing. Who, who so you, gets a caricature though? And not realizing that that's the whole point is kind of this over the top representation, yeah. you know, so it seems a little silly to blow up on someone. Yeah, I think, well, I, don't, I didn't see that particular uh, artist's uh, rendering. Um, he was a pretty abrasive guy, so he may have really gone overboard. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, most most people you expect when they sit down, they want and some of them were like, bless them. They would sit down and say, all right, make me look funny. Um, yeah. There was a, there was a, oh, what's his name? There was a, car- a caricaturist that worked there. Uh, who went on to do a strip that was like in the Globe and Mail and stuff like that. Um, I can't remember the name of it, unfortunately. It'll come to me as soon as we're done this interview. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, but uh, he did, he did uh, uh, I don't know if it was a regular ongoing thing, but he, he did, it was, a, it was a three or four panel strip, and he actually did one where a guy was drawing. Uh, it was Fisher. Um, I don't know if you remember that strip, Fisher. I don't. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, he had somebody sitting down to be drawn for a, a, a caricature and the person looking at the caricaturist saying, now, don't make me look funny, you know, <laughs> and the caricaturist rolling his eyes. So it's obviously very, that's very similar to people who come to comedy shows and then they get offended because some yeah. joke didn't, you know, suit their sensibilities or whatever. But it's, it's the nature of the process of what you're about to, you know, experience. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, comedy blows my mind. Like, I don't know how you do what you do. Like the caricature thing, at least I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm under sunglasses and a hat and I'm sitting there drawing and I'll never see these people again. And usually it's, you know, it's not too big an audience and, you know, and it's cute stuff. There's, you know, it's, it has to be, we're representing the park, you know, you're not going to be doing anything provocative. Um, I mean, to answer what you just said, a lot of that applies to me too. Like I'm not, I'm not the most regular comic. I take hiatuses for months and then go back and and dabble again. And I've never done massive crowds either, you know, maybe 50 to 100 people at the most. I'm not doing theaters or anything like that. So uh, I I think if I did ever get to that level, I would be extremely intimidated. Um, And I also don't go after people. I usually have my my thing, my funny song or whatever. And it's not usually, I don't like skewering people and I'm not a big crowd work person. Maybe one day, I don't know, but. Crowd war? Is that what is that? No, what crowd saying? work. Like I don't usually crowd go like, yeah, so where are you from? Oh, that's yeah, a shitty yeah. job or whatever, you know. Right. Yeah, um, no, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, well, I, crowd war, that piqued my interest because certainly <laughs> that sounds like a thing that yeah. some communities would be, would be into. But yeah, no, I mean, I've met some stand-ups. Um, I had a, a really eye-opening uh, moment where I was invited to uh, the home of David Hetty. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's, he's, oh. I think he's based now in Montreal. Um, really smart, um, uh, comedian and, um, you know, his stuff is pretty out there, pretty, you know, some of it's pretty dark. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's just brilliant. Anyway, a friend of mine, uh, is good friends with him and he, uh, it had us over to his place, um, to, uh, to watch sort of a, a dry run of his material. Oh, nice. And he had his other comedian friends there too. Uh, and they just put like a tiny, tiny little like raised thing on the floor. They might not even, it might've just been like a lamp and you know, that was it. That was their microphone. And we sat on a couch 
and had a few drinks and, and, uh, and just watched these guys work at their material before they went, then went on to the comedy clubs. And um, it was amazing. They all had their notes, you know, like, like some of them had books, you know, some just had scraps of paper. And I'd never seen that before. Usually that's sort of, you know. Yeah, I that's sort of frowned upon when you're actually doing a club or whatever. Even a small venue? Yeah. I mean, it depends. If it's like an amateur night, Tuesday night kind of thing, I don't think you're going to get shit for it. But if you're doing like a featuring act on a Saturday or something, yeah. uh, then you're supposed to have your shit together. Gotcha. You know, the only person I can think of that I've seen on TV um, would be like Mitch Hedberg. I remember seeing one of his gigs where he was clearly in front of like thousands of people and he still had on the stool a notepad, but that's because he's a one-liner comic. And I've always yeah. thought that's got to be so yeah. hard without any segues or storytelling. Like yeah. to just keep I'm smiling because on. I'm smiling because that's my pretty much, he's my, if I were a comedian, that's who I would aspire to be. That does not surprise me at all. Given your work. Yeah. Gags, yeah, um, but yeah, no, I think I've seen that too in his stand-up where he'll just say, "Okay, stroke that one off." Never, never yeah, yeah. that joke again, which in itself is funny, right? But I think I've seen one comedian at an actual club. It was a small venue who would take out a you know next joke, you know, and he'd like read it off a piece of paper kind of thing. But anyway, it just made me realize how much like I hadn't seen this was before comedians and cars getting coffee. I hadn't read any biographies like Steve Martin's Born Standing Up or anything like that. You know, like I didn't realize what went into making an act and coming up with those jokes and refining them and everything and to see these notes and see them making notes as they went. And mm. they didn't actually ask us for feedback or anything like that, but you know, well, they get uh, that based on your reactions, I suppose, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the bigger audience in the room were the other comedians in that case. Right. Mm. But that's sort of um, fed into my, my method with coming up with my single panel stuff, which is I don't share anything with the world until it's gone through about 10 to 15 people who I, you know, I send out a, basically a survey monkey page to a couple times a month. People you they, really trust. Uh, they look through my jokes and I'm not afraid of, yeah, completely falling flat in front of them. Um, and I know that they have worked enough senses of humor and also just the right sensibilities as well in terms of what's going on in the news and the world, that kind of thing. So that I won't, you know, I generally won't put my foot in it too much. If I do a joke that might be perceived as political or something at the time it comes out. Um, I don't know if you can tell, but I worry a lot. <laughs> well, I don't know. You seem like a thoughtful dude. I, I, I remember talking to you through text about a lot of your process and finding it really interesting. I was going to ask you about that because I know you told me you had like a box that you kind of keep all your ideas in. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. you can elaborate on that for my audience, but I found it very interesting. Your, just your process in general. Joke box. <laughs> it's kind of, I've, got, I've got more than one going now because that one's almost full. And uh, most of the jokes in it are... I don't know why I should just burn them all because they've been sitting there so long. They're obviously not going to turn into anything. Um, I would sorry, love to see your stuff that didn't make the cut. I would love to. You'd love, love to, to see like, you know, the, the cutting room floor stuff. Uh, yeah. And a lot of it winds up there. That's, um, I, I spoke to uh, another cartoonist, very different types of cartoons, a uh, guy named Ryan Harvey recently. He does, um, he's at I, I am Honeydill on Instagram. Um, okay. I think I've seen his actually. Yeah. Yeah, he's very popular. Um, his stuff is more, it's a strip. Um, it's, it's not as, uh, well, obviously not remotely as violent or dark as, as, as Burger. They're completely different creatures. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we were talking about a process and he, he might show his work to his wife before he posts it, maybe like part of the time, but otherwise he just trusts that he thinks this is funny. So he's going to share it with the world. I don't do that. I, I just, well, I was going to say, I could see some uh, nervousness just in like, if you think you have a really great idea, 
not mm-hmm. wanting someone else to jack it and get it up on their social media first. You know, I mean, if you have no, yeah, I don't know, maybe that's my paranoia shining through here a bit. Yeah. But. I don't know how competitive comic strip artists are like with, yeah. certainly with, with gag cartoons. Um, I, I do a serious amount of Googling beforehand and before any of my books come out, I make sure I post as many of those jokes on, on Imgur or Imgur. How do you pronounce it? I've always wondered, I think Im- Imgur. I don't know. Okay. I, Imgur sounds just weird. Yeah. So I say, I say like an Imgur ogre or something. I am Imgur. Yeah. It's like GIF or GIF, I guess. But yeah. anyway, Imgur, uh, the audience on Imgur is such an amazing hive mind. Um, generally pretty kind, too. I mean, Reddit are funny. Gets, they can get mean, I find. But, uh, and they also don't like, they don't like violent stuff. They don't like, they don't, they don't allow you to show much blood in, in the jokes that you post there. Really? Um, they've got very strict community guidelines and I've, oh, I've had okay. to down because of that. So I don't generally post stuff there anymore. Uh, but, but, but Imager is much more wild West and, and they're all super nerds and they've all seen every episode of family guy or mad TV or whatever. So if something's come out before, um, they'll catch it, you know, and they'll call me. That's out great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have the same thing in comedy to some extent. You always are a little worried when you come up with a great bit or something like, has this been done before? Because there's just so, yeah. so much history, so many yeah. people doing comedy, just yeah. like there's so many people doing art and cartoons and stuff like that. So you really don't want to step on someone's toes accidentally. Yeah. And you can't possibly know everything that's come before you and exactly. certainly know what's happening at the same time as you. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I'm very grateful for their honesty, even though sometimes it stings a little. The worst thing is when I put out a joke and it gets past, um, it gets past everybody and it, you know, I know it sounds stupid to complain that something goes viral because it's always, that's always everyone's goal, but something does really, really well. It gets passed around, you know, a hundred thousand reach or more. And, and then, and then that one person says, Oh, you know what? Off the mark did this joke in 2016. Oh, yeah, that's got to burn. Like, kidding me. Even if uh, my version is, you know, yeah, I like my version better. It's like, damn it. Like I didn't Google hard enough, you know? And I, so I try to avoid puns because generally, well, first of all, they're, they're just dad jokes. And I, I try, you know, I'm already working in, a, in single panel comics. It's already a pretty dated medium, you know, oh, I think they're awesome. They're gags though. Right. Like it's not. Um, so that's awesome. I, though. I, I used to but, love bizarro for the same reason. Bizarro does a ton of puns too. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of dad jokes as they would call them. Right. But yeah. I like, I like him too. I think it's, I think I almost enjoy his illustrative style better than his actual jokes. Yeah. Um, they're but there's far side people and there's bizarro people. Right. And, yeah. Um, oh, I like both. Weird. That's good. Oh, yeah. Way to be. No, and I, I do too. I mean, I, there's been, there's been some absolute genius bizarros that I've, I've had stuck to the fridge, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think single panels are just by, by their very nature, they're a bit um, old fashioned. Um, and they're either, so they either wind up being stuff that, uh, yeah, like that your parents would stick to the fridge or um, sort of lofty inward chuckle type stuff like you'd see in the New Yorker, you know, but yeah. there's not yeah. anything. I don't know of many single panel comics. Maybe you can elucidate me if you have found them that, that are sort of cutting edge or like, you know, that speak to the youth of today. Like, um, well, I would you know, say I yours to some degree are, are they're not like, um, you know, political or anything, but I, I think that people my age or, or the youth people younger than me would thoroughly enjoy your stuff because mm-hmm. visually it's very engaging and then it's kind of dark and, and twists your brain a little bit, you know? So I, yeah. I think your stuff is pretty cutting edge, not to float your boat here, but. <laughs> Cheers. Um, I know my, my demographic is, is generally 25 and up to 50 or something like that. So. Okay. Um, I know 25 happens to be, we were talking earlier about the malleability of the brain and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's when your brain stops growing, right? So maybe there's some weird connection there. I don't know. I don't anyway, know. 
I don't know, but um, yeah, I'm always blown away if, if I, if, if, you know, like a teenager stops and even at an expo or something and, and buys a book or something like that. Cause I'm like, I don't even know what you're watching. I don't even know what you're reading. Like yeah. there, there, there's just uh, like, I, I just discovered Rick and Morty like this oh, last really? year. You know, and I love Dan Harmon. I, I love, I love community. I've watched it numerous times, but it took me that long to get caught up. You know, like I'm slowing you're down. Now, I'm guessing. Oh, huge. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, but you know, like I get so I'll pop over to, to actually, I guess Imager is, is, is probably a fairly young audience. I'm yeah. guessing. Um, and at least a pretty broad one and they all have an equal love of pop culture and yeah, they mentioned Rick and Morty a few times in, in the comments, you know, and, um, so maybe, yeah, maybe my stuff isn't that, uh, that old. Well, I, I remember Rick and Morty, uh, was getting a lot of backlash, I don't know, a couple of years ago because they hit that point of just like uber popularity. And then you uh, get this group of people that are just sick of hearing Rick and Morty and probably most of them haven't taken the time to actually watch the show. But right. I remember after the Szechuan sauce episode came out there was just a bunch of people that were like oh i'm so sick of hearing a rick and morty and i don't know i think it's a genius show for the most part so it's not that they jumped the shark it's that people just got saturated with them yeah i think there's an oversaturation probably uh largely due to you know social media and how shit just gets crammed down your throat all the time and you just reach a limit with stuff yeah totally i mean we'll put we've got what pandemic fatigue kicked in around the four month mark (laughs) yeah people do not have attention spans like they used to yeah that's for sure yeah, we had Tiger King at the very beginning, and then everybody oh. kind of just went off the rails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's true. I mean, everybody's used to binging everything now too. So I suppose. Um, How, yeah. Has this been like a super creative time for you? Since you know, what yeah. else are you gonna do when you're stuck at home? Even more yeah. art time, you know. Well, people. Are, I don't know if I'm gonna make people hate me by saying this, but I, if it weren't for the media, I might not have even known there was a pandemic for the first few months. Um, oh yeah, you live out in the country or something. I'm, I'm in a village of like a hundred people in the middle oh, of the prairies. Um, so you know, we're already practicing social isolation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, effectively. And, yeah, and, uh, and, you know, it's it's just rarely bump into more than a handful of people in in the course of a week here. You know, and so yeah, so it didn't affect. And I work from home as a freelance illustrator, so it really. I mean, the, the only thing that I was worried about at the beginning, of course, was was work going to dry up. And, mm. and for some reason, it didn't. And in fact, it's been a pretty decent steady flow of work this year. Uh, well, maybe people, because so much has shifted over to online. Yeah. So more and more people need material for their websites, that kind of thing. It's just, but I was doing a lot of work for, uh, for filmmakers before that and the year before that. Uh, storyboards and supporting oh, art. Nice. I don't know, just graphics to be used in movies and stuff. And, um, and that came to a, a screeching halt at the start of the pandemic. So I was just like, I don't know, you know, like, but it's just... Yeah, just dumb luck, really. Um, so it hasn't. Yeah, fortunately, it hasn't. I, I, yeah, I can't complain. You are. Did I? You're. You work in um, medicine, or your wife does, or you? Both uh, my fiance is a ICU nurse, so she's way more in the thick of it than I am, and she's full time. I'm, you know, a stay at home dad. I do this, and then I work on call uh, in sterilization, just cleaning and reprocessing everything for its next use. Right. So, yeah. So I mean, to go to the hospital. Yeah. It's, it's definitely yeah, intimidating. So it's much more real for you. And I feel guilty as hell for even saying that it hasn't really affected me because I know oh. like it's just been absolute hell for, I mean, and, and please thank your fiance on behalf of the humanity for, I'm astounded by what she does all the time when she comes home from work, you know, I'm like, how do you do what you do? But, uh, but yeah. I was saying that before the pandemic, some of the, the shit she was dealing with just being an ICU nurse, you know what I mean? So, oh, no, um, 
That's cool though. Yeah. That you're kind of just safe from the pandemic. Like I know you said you worry a lot, but it must've been kind of nice to not have to super stress about COVID hitting your small town of a hundred people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I, it doesn't mean that I don't have other things to stress about it. Just that course, was, yeah. thing that was focusing on. I, I was, it was almost like um, <clears throat> people were wondering, like my, my wife, for example, she was, more stressed than I was at the start of the pandemic. And I'm also a hypochondriac, so it really should have messed me up. But the, but the thing was, I think is that my level of stress was already here and everybody else just kind of caught up to me. <laughs> That's sort <laughs> so of what I, I said too. I look said, insane by comparison or I don't know. No, I'm a big germaphobe too. Uh, and I said the same sort of thing between my anxiety and my OCD and germophobia and whatever. I felt like I've sort of been training for this my yeah. whole life and, and I'm kind of prepared in a sense. Um, but that's funny. Yeah. Um, I've heard, I've heard, uh, um, I play regularly play D and D on, uh, on roll 20 with some friends. Oh, nice. um, it's, that's what you do in a pandemic. Also when you're geographically isolated anyway, I'm playing with people 2000 kilometers away. Um, and right. one of them, he's a, he's a total introvert. And, uh, at the start of the pandemic pandemic, he basically said, I feel like I've been training my whole life for this, like work yeah. for work, what you just said. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you qualify yourself as an introvert, but, uh, I wouldn't say that, no, but, uh, but germaphobe, which I, people always think that's ridiculous when I say that I work in sterilization then, but I think there's some sort of cathartic part of cleaning the stuff and being, you know, like, oh, but we're making yeah. it safe again. So I don't know. But yeah, I'm, I'm, were you a germaphobe before you got that job or did the job make you a germaphobe? Uh, I'd say I've had it always a little bit, you know, I was always a hand sanitizer kind of guy. Well, I just, people are gross again, before a pandemic, there's the amount of yeah. guys I've seen not washing their hands in the friggin' bathroom yeah. is enough to make me want to carry majority. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where that guy's junk's been. Like, I don't want to shake hands with him. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I agree. Like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. People are gross. We are yeah. all gross. I mean, yeah, I'm not excluding myself from that. That's a funny thing that I've always thought is um, something that people, everyone frowns on nose picking. And I want to say like 98% of the population do it with vigor yeah. when they're alone, you know? Yeah, like, they, they why, why can't we become a nation of proud pickers, you know, it's just, I <laughs> just own it. <laughs> yeah, really. Everybody friggin' does. It's like farting. Like you're going to try and tell me you don't fart. And then when, it, when you fart, you don't kind of enjoy it and feel this relief, yeah. you know, yeah. no one wants yeah. some little crusty things stuck up, stuck up in their nostril and you can't always get it with a Kleenex, you know? No, you cannot. It's true. Sometimes you, you need that. Anyway. <laughs> now I'm being gross. Um, I was going to say, um, I wanted to know because I read that you grew up near an actual Bogart Creek. Mm -hmm. in, uh, Markham, right? Or was it, no, new, uh, I wrote this down somewhere. New market. That's a, yes. Actually, oh. no, like I have Hang on. Oh, nice. I discovered this in the basement the other day. This is a painting I did of Bogart Creek when oh, I cool. was, I think in like early high school. Um, so that's it. It was behind the, it was in the farmlands behind my parents' place. Um, when I was growing up from the age of about, I don't know, grade four, so nine to 18. And then they, developers came in and turned it all into ticky tackies and everything. But for a while, I mean, Bogart Creek's probably still there. That's the only thing they can't build on. Well, I was just more curious what led you to choosing that as the title of your strip. Was it just like a, a tribute to those formative years of your life or was it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, basically. I mean, I have personal significance and, um, you know, legally you can't uh, copyright a, a Creek. So it wasn't like I was naming it after new market or something like true, that, true. which would get me into trouble, I think. Um, but, uh, cause there's like a Bogart Creek in the States too, I think. And there's also Bogart town and like Bogart Creek kind of meanders around Southern Ontario a little bit. 
Um, but for me, yeah, it was, a, I think it was a cool sounding, uh, phrase and a lot easier to say than my last name. Um, and, yeah. uh, and also, yeah, it was my, those are my formative creative years. And a lot of it had to do with being out in the farmlands, unsupervised, getting soakers in Bogart Creek, you know, falling, <laughs> falling through the ice and losing boots and that kind of thing. And, um, just, just generally, you know, finding ourselves without, you know, helicopter parents hovering and that kind of thing. You know, one of my folks were really hands off in that regard. Um, and, you know, also like, you know, I, I'm a big supporter of, 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 you know, um, the environment for lack of a better term and nature. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it's, it's where I, I think anybody who spends enough time wandering around a forest, their, their, their imagination also does a lot of wandering and yeah, nature um, in general. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we had a lot of, yeah, crazy, you know, uh, games out there you fighting dragons and stuff like that, whatever we could okay. think of. We had bows and arrows and we're shooting at haystacks and yeah, it was just, uh, it was a really privileged uh, space to have growing up. And so you, I'm nostalgic about it and sentimental, and I figured that was my playground growing up, so it'll be my, my playground virtually now. There you go. Yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of nice to have uh, just a random title if you, all your comics are kind of not really connected to each other and just all over the place. It's, you know, kind of the way you want to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I wrote down about 50 possible names, and um, it almost was smash cuts. Uh, you know, like a film reference smash cut, you know, okay. that was the runner up for Bogart Creek. And I thought it just didn't, it just didn't feel quite like it felt like that could still be um, not an adequate name depending. Cause I hadn't really even done that many cartoons yet. It hadn't become its own thing yet. Whereas Bogart Creek's a bit more open-ended and it has the personal connection. So, um, cool. you know, and also I was a big fan of Bloom County growing up and that sort of refers to this magical other place, you know, and Bogart Creek kind of had that same kind of feeling. Yeah, it's a great name. Um, I actually, like I told you, have been inspired to do my own. Originally, I was going to try and draw them out and share them here, but I figured, A, for people that are just listening, that might be a little underwhelming. Yeah, likewise, I wanted to mention a few of yours, and I will mention a few of yours that I love, but you can't really do it justice, you know? At least um, for the YouTube, I can throw up some pictures of your stuff so people will see what we're talking about, but I always try to be considerate of the audio-only people. Right, um, but I do have some I'll share with you. Like once we're done the actual interview, I'll, I'll tell you some of my ideas and you can let me know what you think. Um, cool. still just conceptual. I haven't drawn them out yet, but um, the name that I came up with, cause that's the kind of guy I am. I come up with the name for my, my thing before I've even drawn a single one. Um, yeah. My daughter helped me is, is noodle nugget or noodle nuggets. As in like, <laughs> you know, your noodle and just a little, yep. um, yeah. So that's, it sounds it's playful and whimsical. Yeah, that's what I yeah. thought. And I, I Googled it and I didn't find anybody using that. So hopefully stay tuned and I'll have some noodle nuggets for people before too long. Excellent. Uh, you heard it here first, people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, speaking to your, your dark nature, I, I read that you stay away from sexual stuff and you stay away from swearing for the most part, which is fine, but I found it a little, I just wanted to know why when you don't shy away from violence and, and dark natured stuff. So what was yeah. that decision? What was sort of the, the factor that led to that decision? I know it's like, I'm, I'm unsyndicatable one way or another. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Why not go all in? Right. Um, I just find uh, it goes back to that. You know, maybe if I were in, in Europe, uh, where sexuality isn't such a taboo, yeah. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't feel so um, averse to exploring that stuff. But here, um, you know, it's it's a, it's a cliche. I don't know who said it originally, but that thing that you know, it's easier in, in a movie 
or on TV to show someone stabbing a breast than kissing a breast, right? Like it's just people really are super sensitive to sexuality and as am I, like it's product of my environment and so forth. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not saying that I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not a churchgoer or anything like that. You know, I'm no saint, but, uh, you know, I just feel like, I don't know. It's just one of those rules that you make for yourselves to sort of, because, yeah, you know, you, it's not the only, those aren't the only rules that I have. Um, but it just feels like that type of humor, um, you know, I'm not submitting to penthouse or playboy or that's fair, no yeah. natural lampoons or anything like that so where is it going to land you know like and there are some amazing cartoonists who are somehow able to like cover like the whole spectrum of humor you know like tom cheney um is someone who's someone i, I really admire uh he's been in the new yorker he's and he's been in penthouse i think maybe even hustler like he's like i don't know how but he's managed to like he can he can do the most sort of like dark and twisted stuff and then the next minute you know he's being he's got i have a book of um uh philosophy um that uh, i forget what it's called i draw therefore i am i think where they talk about um they talk about philosophical concepts and and they start each chapter with a single panel cartoon and his works in there right so lofty and lowbrow at the same time like it's incredible but i don't know many people that can do the tightrope walk and i certainly don't have that good balance i feel like Maybe I'm just too circumspect, you know, I, I just, um, I don't want to set my future self up uh, any more than, than, than necessary for, for a good, you know, public uh, lashing. Um, but uh, yeah. I suppose I, like I, swearing doesn't really add for the most part to. Swearing just feels idea. a bit, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, 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 I do have it here and there and, and you know, um, but I always feel a little bit guilty because it feels like a bit of a crutch. Just you know? like needlessly gratuitous almost, yeah. Yeah, like there are times when you, you hear the you hear the dialogue in your head and you, there's no other way to do it unless there's a swear word in there. But and then even then I sometimes just obscure it with the ampersands and the hashtags and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. That. So um or just hashes, I guess, to not hashtags. But yeah. Um no, but I know you mean the um I almost wanted to say wingdings, but that's not it. That's that old uh, stupid font on yeah. Uh, who yeah. used wingdings? Was that like for secret code messages or something? I never understood that. Uh, yeah, maybe some of the kids were into it at the time. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, no, I, I just, yeah, I've got a few rules like that. And, and another one that I have to, I have to remind myself often of is just to is always be punching up, you know, like, um, you know, the, the underdog is the champion and the, the victims of any violence have to be, you know, well, frankly, me, like straight white guys, uh, you know, like that's just, or, or a bear or an eagle. Yeah. Or something but like even that, then you, know? you usually have like the smaller animal kicking the bigger animal's ass or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and that goes to my own, you know, upbringing too. Like, you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't one of, I, I, I got beat up in public school now and then, and, you know, I know what it's like to be bullied. And, uh, so you, you don't side with, you don't side with the big tough guys. You side with the underdogs. It's yeah. also just generally funnier to see an underdog having revenge or just to see a jerk get his comeuppance, you know, and yeah. we're all jerks. Like, I, I, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that I'm, you know, uh, I'm very often drawing myself in those cases, you know, someone who is obliviously walking into a catastrophe um, or has just walked into a catastrophe. Those tend to be the, you know, the yin yang of my jokes. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Not, I, I like how you summed that up. Um, I was going (laughs) to, yeah, in, uh, in relation to your dark humor of everything you do, I wanted to know if there was ever a specific comic that you just couldn't bring yourself to put out there, even though you liked the joke a lot, but you thought it was just over the, over the top, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, I've had a few, and I won't describe them. You are okay, because <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll be there for all time. The internet never forgets, right? Yeah. Um, but well, not yeah, that many people yeah. watch my show, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, then you'll then you'll get famous, and then I'll you know, I'll be dragged into the spotlight. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, discussing it's not the same as actually drawing it out, you know. True. Although sometimes, actually, I think seeing the cartoon, you know, rather than saying it describing it could be worse than seeing it i don't know like the idea is worse than the actual execution yeah um, i don't know but there aren't there aren't that many um i've gotten pretty good at i mean I, I i don't try to shock people first of all it's pretty much impossible to shock anybody nowadays i'm always amazed when somebody does get outraged by something i've drawn um <laughs> because it's like really like you haven't <laughs> compared to real world events yeah yeah um but uh, you know I, like i said I, I trust my reviewers my little comedy club of reviewers who they're all very um smart and sensitive people and uh, but they're not you know they're not uptight um and they'll let me know when i've gone too far um but it's 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 not very often and then usually what they'll say is yeah you're punching down here you know yeah. I'm like oh oh yeah you're right um a few have gotten by that even they didn't catch um that other people then were offended by um i guess i can mention one since it's it was around i've taken it down but um i didn't think much of it at the time but i did a joke um it was a bunch of you might have seen it, it was uh, like three students all of them you know, like sort of they look like adult students sitting at some desks with musical instruments on the desks and standing behind them are a bunch of big guys in lab coats with rocks over their heads. And uh, in front of them is, is sort of the head of the lab saying, you know, welcome to the Sudden Savant School of Music. Um, yeah, you think that he's going to be bopped on the head and now you can play piano, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is you a got really an autistic thing. backlash from this, I'm guessing? Yeah. Uh, not a, not, a, not a, like a landslide, but one lady posted that it, that it upset her because yeah. she has an autistic child. And I was like, oh, delete, 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 delete. You know, like I had, it just hadn't occurred to me because it is an actual medical thing. I wasn't trying to, I just didn't think, you know, I just didn't think, and it didn't offend anybody who had seen it, you know, before it went up. Um, and I felt really bad, you know, because well, I saw that. I, uh, I do remember seeing that one and I, it crossed my mind, but I guess unless you're really close to that, issue it's not gonna solicit the same response you know well i didn't even think like savantism and autism were the same thing like i i still don't know if i think there's a link sometimes i don't know if it's exactly yeah well yeah same. of course yeah like yeah that's true there, you can have people who are who are super genius at something who are i think there's a, a lot of autistic folks who are somewhat savant at one thing but then struggle in other sort of more yeah. regular day-to-day yeah. And there's nothing funny about that whatsoever. My joke was supposed to be about, and here I am defending it, which is never good, but was just supposed to be about how people are lazy and take shortcuts. That's yeah. All. Yeah. You know, and I, 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 you know, I learned guitar, right. The hard way I took classical guitar lessons and then I went on to electric cause my dad wouldn't let me jump ahead. You know, he said, no, no, you got to start with the foundation and then you can have fun with the power chords. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, but, but if someone had just said, Hey, I could just bop you on the head like Bugs Bunny and you suddenly be good at it. You know, how many people would take that option, right? That's what the joke was supposed to be about. But I just didn't put myself in enough people's shoes when I, when I drew it. And that's a nightmare. Like I always feel anxiety when I put something out, even though I run it past all these people. Cause I don't want to, you know, I don't want to punch down. Like I said. No, I'm very much the same way as you. And like, especially in the world of comedy, I've seen lots of comics and met lots of comics and talks, talked with lots of comics that, they don't give a shit if they offend people. They're like, yeah. if it's funny, I'm putting it out there and people can go fuck themselves, you know? And, and I've never been able to align myself with that just because I'm a really sensitive person and I hate getting my feelings hurt. So I'm always kind of mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm going to offend someone. And I think you should, 
you know, ride that line a little bit, but um, yeah, I was actually going to say along the line of uh, autistic savants, I don't know if you've ever seen, but I watched something uh, and it was a, it was related to art as well. There was an autistic savant who they took him up in, I don't know if they took him in a helicopter or something like that. Oh, and yeah. he saw the skyline yeah. of New York and then he was able to just draw it. Every window. Yeah. Isn't that Incredible. insanity? Yeah. No, I, that stuff's fascinating. Um, I've read I've, Oliver Sacks, you know, um, the, uh, the writer he wrote about, wrote, I think he was, a, he was an, neuroscientist um okay. but don't quote me on that he he wrote he wrote a lot about that type of thing it's fascinating absolutely amazing what the human mind is capable of and how little we understand like 20 21's around the corner and we still don't have a really yeah that's what i was just gonna say relating to what we were talking about before with the social media and all that stuff there's so much we don't know about the brain and yeah. and in the case of someone like that guy who can just draw the whole skyline it would seem, it would appear that some part of his brain is so heightened, almost superhuman, but then does that come at the cost of other yeah. parts of the brain not being able to fire fully or whatever you want to, however you mm -hmm. want to describe that, you know? Yeah, I'm sure, I mean, he's got a lot of attention and, and support and, and that sort of thing. So I, I, don't, I don't know what his life is like on a daily basis. I don't, I wonder, I would wonder if he would choose being normal if he was given the option. Yeah. You know, well, um, normal, I guess, is the wrong term, too. Well, it's a terrible word. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, but I mean, I think about it, too, because I'm so neurotic. You know, it's like, could I, mm. would, would I, would I, would I rather be a balanced person without the, the daily hourly worries that I have if it meant that, you know, I wasn't, you know, able to do funny cartoons? Yeah, there's like, no boring art that, you know, yeah. What if they're connected? You know, what if it turns out that, yeah, if, if I was, if I was, quote unquote, normal, sorry, I guess, is that a bad word now? Did I, I did I know. step in it? Did I, uh, anyway, yeah, um, whatever. <laughs> it's a lowercase normal. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it's a meaningless word, like, like nature, you know, um, but it's, uh, but, but there it is. What I mean is just like, be, be more average, I guess, be more like, just, just balanced. Like what, when balance you go to therapy, word, yeah. when you go to therapy, what they try to get you to, you know, yeah. or, the, the 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 range of extreme reactions aren't so aren't so great so you don't you know mal you're not maladaptive is the word i think that they throw at right? yeah well i would say it's definitely linked to your creative output as as is the case with so many creative types Co comedians there's i don't know that i've ever met a comedian that didn't have a bunch of issues myself included um whether it's mental health stuff or traumatic mm -hmm. upbringing or whatever and I, I would say probably applies to music at least really passionate artists that are the legendary ones they all had drug issues or whatever else you know if they um, didn't when they started they did when they finished yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> when someone brings a suitcase of uh, you know raul duke uh, you know from uh, fear and loathing just pretty much <laughs> smorgasbord whatever you want i guess people get tempted um yeah. that's land extract <laughs> Well, that's actually something I forgot to mention when I was talking about uh, you choosing to put dark stuff, but excluding swearing and, uh, and sexuality, but then you include violence and you often also include drugs. So that was sort of another part of that that I was... Do I often? Have I often included drugs? Well, one of my favorites that I did write down was the one where uh, the guy's in the space station saying like, hey, the good news oh. is we're way ahead of schedule. The bad news is Anderson spilled his cocaine and it's just right, okay. floating around. <laughs> Made me think of the Simpsons actually with the potato chips and all the ants that got yeah. in there. <laughs> Yeah, you can see Homer Simpson going around snorting up all the coke in the air. Um, um, yeah, I forgot about that one. And I also did an LSD one where the yeah. guy's in a lineup. Yeah, yeah, yeah the police okay. lineup. Oh, my God. And I, did, I also did one where guys were um, snorting and shooting up life cereal to determine whether you can get high on life. I have yeah. not seen that one. That's awesome. I, I don't even know if I, I don't know if it's still up. But yeah, it was kind of, it did okay, you know. Well, yeah, I didn't mean to imply that you have like heavily drug influenced stuff, but it was clearly something that you didn't have a hard rule about not including, you know. 
Yeah, no, I, well, like I, I consumed cannabis for many years before it was legalized. So I'd be a hypocrite yeah. if I was judgmental about that stuff. Although I haven't, don't have any weed jokes because weed's just not that shocking, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, LSD and cocaine are pretty, you know, pretty out there. So, you know, uh, if I'm going to do a, or, 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 or shooting life cereal, I suppose, which I can't imagine is a good idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. There's uh, one of the funniest weed jokes I ever I remember was uh, from some Seth MacFarlane animated short DVD. It just had a bunch of little things. I assume that he could never fit into Family Guy. And there's these cops in an interrogating room and they've got Bob Marley there and they're talking about the lyrics to I Shot the Sheriff. They're like, I don't get it. He's he's confessing to one crime to try to get out of the other. You know, I, I shot the sheriff, but I didn't shoot the deputy. And then the other cop says, yeah, I don't get it either. And I have the sneaking suspicion that he's high or something like along those lines. Um, man. Uh, so speaking of drugs and weed though, yeah, we should touch on this. So how I initially know you uh, or, or came into contact with you is we were both in this cannabis competition, I guess you would call it. Right. Um, and it by run by a company called a lot, which I think stands for a higher level of thought. They were cool guys. And it was, yeah. uh, you know, whoever wins, I think they wanted, I think they said five people originally, um, mm -hmm. that those people would get free weed essentially for a year. If you just do reviews for them and sort of, uh, that wasn't exact. I don't know what they said initially, but that wasn't what it wanted. I mean, well, this is what I was going to ask you because you beat me. We were both in the creative category with, uh, some other, uh, woman who had a dance studio or something like that. And I was so burned too, because there was three of us in the category and both of you. I didn't know it came down to just the three of us. Oh, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> oh, well, at the time it was crushing, but it, it actually propelled me to get back into uh, doing comedy and starting this show and all that. So it wound up being a really good thing for me. But I've always wondered ever since sort of how it panned out, because in the back of my mind, I was always wondering, is this, was this just a publicity stunt for them in the end? No, not at all. They were, they were totally serious. And um, it wound up being, I think it was more than, I can't remember the exact number, but it was, it was more than five people. Yeah, it was, it was like, like eight wanted, in the end. Or... Yeah, they wanted to broaden it out more. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of embarrassed to talk about it because, you know, after, like I said, 20, 25 years of, of consuming cannabis, you know, finally it's, it's legal. And I've landed this incredible opportunity to be a cannabis, uh, I guess, evaluator yeah. um, with this incredible group of people. And it happened around that time that <clears throat> for whatever reason, uh, we'd started making me paranoid. Um, and uh, I started cutting back and then it started affecting my sleep. I don't know. I don't want to put the blame on that though. I think it's really just that uh, I'm, I'm 47. Uh, so who knows what's, what's gone on up Did you here. start young though? Cause I started young and I think that might've been like, I always wonder if I started smoking weed at 25 when the brain was mm -hmm. done developing, if I'd still be fine. Cause I'm having a lot of similar issues. We talked about this before we started recording, but um, so I've always wondered, yeah. Did you start when you were like a teenager like me? No, I was squeaky clean as a teen. I, okay. I was a virgin till I was 20. I didn't drink till university. Like, yeah, no, I started, I hit university running and, okay. um, and that's when I discovered all that stuff and putting alcohol and everything else. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, at the time it really, I felt like it really balanced me out, you know, it's, it, and it did, it calmed, I'm a, I'm a neurotic guy and it calmed me down. Um, it numbed me though. That's what I sort of realized. And when I was in Toronto, you know, an introvert in Toronto, surrounded by 6 million people, no wonder I was numbing myself. Right. And I was, I was also pretty, I was really worked up all the time. My friends would have described me as angry. And by the time I moved out here to this very quiet, you know, countryside place, um, the anger went, but 
in its place came anxiety. And, mm. um, and uh, you know, it was probably there all along. It was just that the anger was drowning it out. Um, and uh, I'm not saying I went, I've never been in a physical fight or anything like that. But I was yeah, just frustration uh, and, and yeah, anger it was and just, stuff. yeah, it was just like, yeah, it, it was not, a, it was not a positive environment for me. Um, you know, and, and it just got me really worked up to the point of it being completely irrational. And, um, and, you know, I'm still completely irrational, but just now it's more about worrying about stuff like, um, health issues, um, or the internet, or I don't know, like, what if a tree falls on our house? You know, like, there's yeah, always, yeah. Oh, that's I'm the Bogart Creek mentality, right? It's that kind of, the sky is about to fall, and not just fall, but like, fall up directly on your head kind yeah. of thing. Um, and that's why- Were you like a huge pothead, though? Like, did you- sort of, you know, use every day for, for a couple decades. Cause that's what I'm starting to wondering was maybe my downfall was just not taking proper detoxification breaks. Like a lot of my friends would do. And just, I, yeah. maybe because of my OCD, but I became just self-medicated and only a couple months ago now, maybe six weeks, even I, I uh, was going to get some new headshots done and I was drinking too much because of the pandemic as well. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what, I want to look good in these headshots. So I'm going to clean up my act. I'm going to I'm going to cut down on weed for, uh, thank you, um, for, you know, a little bit. And, and I think that actually triggered something that kind of caused me to spiral out for the last month and a half, because all of a sudden this system I had set up that was impenetrable mm -hmm. now was just crumbling around me. And I'm going like, wow, like what's wrong with me? I, am I not okay to just be whoever I am underneath all of this? You know, like, yeah. um, so oh, it's we're in the exact same, no, everything you just said, same thing here. And the tragic thing was, is that, um, I mean, it, what really broke the camel's back with me was that, um, you know, it started messing with my sleep and I thought I had a serious sleep disorder. Mm. It turned out, you know, that it was just, I, again, I, we know so little about how cannabis really does affect the mind, despite the fact that it's been around for so long. And it can I, be I, therapeutic. I don't want to stand here and say it's bad because I, I mean, I, I still miss it. I probably will come, come back to it someday. I'm taking a break right now. Yeah. Um, and, and so long story short, you know, um, I thoroughly enjoyed getting to meet the other uh, curate cannabis, the, the curation committee at a lot and the people at a lot are incredible and so knowledgeable about, uh, about all things cannabis, like it was humbling, frankly. Like, I mean, yeah, I had I had a lot of years of experience uh, enjoying the stuff, but just uh, you know, like the level of like chemistry understanding that some of those guys had was really incredibly profound. You know, yeah, they seem like they had uh, a good team. Yeah, and they still do. They still yeah. do. Um, it, I'm not among them. That's the only. <laughs> but wasn't it only supposed to be for a year, anyways? Um, it, it, it originally, yeah. The, the, Originally, I don't know, it was an experiment or whatever, but yeah, they just said for a year, but it's still ongoing. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, cool. it's, 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 yeah, they, like, I mean, they are very, very, I can't speak to their process or whatever. I'll just say they're very thorough um, and very conscientious about how they're looking at everything that's put in front of them. Um, and uh, I think it's a really smart way to go about doing what they're doing. Um, I just, I have a tremendous amount of guilt because I had to step back, um, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, like who would do that? Right. Like well, it's a dream job you for, do anybody. Right for you though. Pardon me. You got to do what's right for you. I mean, you yeah. know, you can't just feel like you're bound to that just for the sake of, yeah. Oh, well I signed up for it. Like if it's yeah. like you said, you're losing yeah. sleep and stuff like that. You got to reach a limit yeah. at some point. Well, that's what happens when you, yeah. I mean, <laughs> anyway, I won't go too far into it, but I just suffice to say that, that, that the folks at a lot were absolutely supportive, incredible people. That's awesome. Um, completely understanding. Uh, they, they, you know, health is first and foremost, you know, the most important thing in their mind. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they're, I consider them all good friends. 
That's and, awesome. Um, wish them nothing but the best. And I'm still sorry that I, uh, I don't get to join in on those monthly meetings, but it just wasn't the right time for me right now. Yeah, no, I, I haven't talked to as many of them as you are, but I'm friends with Chad on Facebook and he's, he's seems awesome. like a really radical dude. Um, yeah. But with the sleep stuff, I wanted to ask you, because I know this has been true to me and I, I'm pretty sure it's documented that after about a week of no weed, you start having really intense dreams. Oh yeah, REM rebound, yeah. Did that happen uh, to you? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And it, I, it wasn't even just quitting, it was cutting back. Because um, I thought... Uh, first of all, like doing it every day is not a good idea. Um, it, you know, if it's not like, yeah, if you're, if you're tasting wine, you don't drink the whole bottle, you know, yeah. and, and you spit it out, you know, you cleanse your palate and then you go back in. Right. And um, like I said, after, after getting away from the city, I started, I started to sort of chill out and yet get in the process, sort of do a lot more soul searching and, and sort of come face to face a bit more with my overall anxieties. And I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll cut back and just use the weed more strategically. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in the process of doing so, yeah, like. It's, then your tolerance goes down. That's what happened to me. I, I had the same approach. And then every time I would try to revisit, it was mm -hmm. like even more intense and it's become yeah. kind of this cycle now where I'm like really, really cautious about what I put in. Which is not a bad thing. I mean, no. you're, yeah, it's like saying that your, your palate becomes more sensitive or something. Right. But yeah. But yeah, again, I was, that was happening towards the end of my, uh, you know, the time that I was, uh, with a lot and, um, well, it made for like, I think it made me fairly a, a pretty good accurate evaluator of this, of everything, because I was, um, <clears throat> more of a clean slate. Every time I approached it, there was no sort of lag from whatever I might've had the day before or yeah. earlier that day or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I felt I, I was a lightweight all of a sudden, um, for the first time in my life. And, 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 and my, yeah, my dreams were becoming vivid, um, and sh more, sh my sleep more shallow. Like I wasn't, I was basically sedating myself before that. Right? Yeah. Same um, here. Well, and I don't, during the day and at night. I don't know if this happened to you too, but I found that, um, when I stopped, I, it may have helped a bit, but I realized that there was still tons of underlying anxiety. So the other sort of good part of it was that it caused me to go, okay, well, stopping weed isn't going to fix this completely. Exactly. Now I need to try to start meditating or working out more or, or you know, check, all of that kind of stuff. So check, check, check. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And no, see, I started exercising daily, doing yoga, meditating instead of medicating, you know, and, yeah. uh, that's been, the, yeah, that's, that's sort of how I've, I've switched over. And, and, you know, I, there's a lot of people who do all that and enjoy weed and power yeah. to them. Um, they've got it figured out. I and maybe that will be something, like you said, that we revisit at a different chapter in our life. You know, um, I can imagine when my kids are all moved out and I'm like a retiree, probably hitting the blunts pretty hard. I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the old, older folks that I know, I mean, I'm old, but older than me, uh, who, who enjoy weed just seem like the happiest people on earth. Yeah. I, I think part of that is just growing too, because, you know, like the sky is falling stuff. I have a lot of just existential fear about aging and death and all that. And I think you just, a lot of old people seem so chill and happy, like seniors yeah. and stuff. Like they've just reached a limit of worrying about that stuff and got to a point where they're like, you know what? I've, yeah. I've wasted enough hours or days or years of my life worrying and I'm done. I don't have as much left. I think yeah. that's got to be refreshing. You know, the other thing I, I found about I, that I, I didn't appreciate anymore was that because of that daily medication and kind of living in a bit of a fog, um, I find it affects my, my sense of time where all of a sudden I'll be like, wow, that year went by fast. Or, or, you know, just someone will tell me, Hey, remember that time? And I'm like, I honestly don't. And I'm thinking, I don't want my kids to be graduating or getting married. And I feel like mm -hmm. this decade just went by. So 
I'm trying right. to, you know, and, and also just remembering to keep changing and growing as a person. I don't know why I was so stuck, I guess because it was my identity, but I, I felt like I would be betraying this like stoner. I'm a stoner. I'm a stoner. Like yeah. I, when I started every comedy, day, yeah. yeah, every, all my jokes at the beginning of comedy were all like, I literally would just say to the audience, uh, Hey, I'm a stoner. That was my, probably my first joke ever. I, I had, you know, a hoodie and a, a toque. I looked like an obvious stoner. I watched that. I watched that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that joke about I'm a stoner. And then people would just laugh at that. And then I'd say, sorry, I didn't want you guys to confuse me with that straight edge hacky sack champion. I like a bit about the rowing machine, the time, the time traveling rowing machine at the gym. Yeah. Thanks. That actually reminded me how fun it is to, to, to use we. Like your head does go off in wild places and you really enjoy the moment. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, goddamn, some of the happiest times in my life have been, you know, on weed. So, um, but, uh, but at the same time, um, yeah. But when it switches to this gear of like fear, it's like, why am I doing yes. this? You know, I don't want to live yeah. in fear all the time. And that's where yeah. I think psychedelics can be much more helpful. You know, that's, there's a, yeah, that's, I mean, um, was Michael Poland's book, change your mind is all about that. Yeah, right? I was just watching. How to right? change your mind. Sorry. I was just watching literally last night him um, in, it wasn't just him. It was a bunch of guys they were interviewing about psychedelics and sort of the new wave and the resurgence of that uh, in a medical yeah, sense. And yeah, really fascinating. There's a really good, uh, you know, the stuff you should know podcast. Uh, yes. I've heard of it. Yeah. They've got a really, at least one really good one on, on LSD and the history of it and um, you know, how it was yeah looked at, looked at as a very serious psychological tool for a while until Timothy Leary started giving the stuff out for free yeah. and uh, turning it into a recreational nightmare. And then um, the of course the Nixon and them all clamped down on it. Right. Yeah. And, but yeah. it went up until then a lot of, a lot of people like Cary Grant, for example, apparently had like a hundred supervised LSD trips. On, really? Yeah, he swore by the stuff. Him and his uh, wife both uh, were big into, you know, sorting their stuff it's out. It's a wonderful life. That way, yeah. No, that's, that's Jimmy Stewart. Right. That'd be amazing. Oh, damn it! I, I was thinking, <laughs> God damn it! I'm going to get that reference wrong. Oh, well, well, we know he did it too, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I, yeah, LSD is interesting. I, I mean, um, it's definitely a whole other kettle of fish. That's for sure. Well, um, I just saw in a video last night that uh, they were talking about LSD and how the molecule looks very much like a serotonin molecule and that it actually fits the receptor more perfectly than serotonin itself. You know, yeah, so that's wow. a trip on. Yeah. And the way, the way the weed does, uh, weed does stuff because you've got an endocannabinoid system of your own, right? That's All why animals, I think well with us, mammals, is that we actually can produce our own equivalents to, uh, I forget what it's called. The, um, the chemical that's, that's, that's the, the central component in, in your brain when you're, you're, you're high. But, I, don't know. Um, I always hear dopamine and serotonin thrown around the most, but I don't. Well, yeah, those, I mean, it definitely all comes down to those, but yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, our bodies, our bodies can naturally create those chemicals. It's just a lot. Yeah, I'm not a, don't quote me. I'm not a doctor. No, yeah. Little that I've Googled and I don't Google much anymore because it freaks me out every time I do. I've actually had to swear off Googling medical conditions because it's just, I go down rabbit holes, man. I'm oh, like, hypochondria, I'm yeah. My wife comes home and I'm just like a wreck because I think I'm, you know, I'm dying of five different things, you know? So, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, no, it's true. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, that, um, yeah, left to its own devices, our brains can produce the same kind of high-inducing chemicals that, that weed does. It's just, it's not as quick and it's not as efficient as actually smoking this stuff uh, or uh eating stuff, you know? I had always heard, I don't know, again, I'm not going to try to quote like a doctor or anything, but when I was 
a teenager, people would always say about mushrooms that it wasn't actually the mushroom getting you high. It was what your body's releasing to fight the toxins in the mushroom. But I don't know if that's accurate or not. So I don't want to, you know, I've never heard that, but that's cool. That's true. Yeah. I should look that up before throwing that out there. (laughs) It's funny that we, uh, yeah, all the different ways. I mean, humans aren't unique animals seek this stuff out too, right? They'll they'll eat rotting fruit. So they get drunk and pass out. Like, yeah, like the elephants I, or something. I birds and monkeys and elephants—they all do it. Apparently, yeah. Like everybody wants to escape. You know, it's it's understandable. Life is freaky, no matter whether you're human or or a monkey, right? True, um, but I would think that if you're, uh, especially like a prey type animal, that it would be dangerous. disadvantageous to get all fucked up and then have some lion just find yeah. you passed out under the tree. You know, but they do it. They do it. Um, yeah. I guess sometimes the the. The pros are bigger than the cons, I guess. Yeah, I guess. The monkey yeah. just wants to trip. Yeah. Um, I mean, how many times do those water buffalo have to go up to that water wondering, is today the day? Yeah. The alligator or the crocodile going to get me? You know, you might want to be a little bit stoned before you make that dive. <laughs> do you, um, I don't know if you follow Nature is Metal on Instagram, but. I've come uh, upon it a few times. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's dark shit. I only follow it to try to kind of remind myself that like life is harsh. And the guy does great write-ups too. If you read his things underneath, it's, they put, there's a lot of work that goes into it, but it's hard to watch sometimes, but I kind of say, well, you know what? Like life is hard to live sometimes. So it's, it's a nice refresher to just seize the day, so to speak. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, we have um, actually just yesterday, uh, one part of the, I, I follow the Alberta birds, uh, Facebook group, um, just cause I, I love birds. I'm a, I guess okay. an amateur birder. I don't have any like fancy the ornithologist. Is that the, the ornithologist? Oh, okay, yes. okay. Ornithologist <laughs> with yeah. an O. Um, but, uh, you know, and we had, uh, looking out the window yesterday, my wife actually woke, woke me up to say there's something weird going on in the yard. Went out and there was this big, it looked like a great big sparrow eating a little sparrow. And it had taken the corpse of this little sparrow and hung it up in a crook of a tree branch on the mm-hmm. ground, like a lilac branch. And it was just picking it apart, like ripped its head off and everything. It was just like, this is, you know, like it's this adorable, fluffy, cute thing, but Jeez. it's just mangling this, like it's obviously killed this other cute little thing. And I was like, man, mid nature is messed up. So I, I, I couldn't figure out what it was using uh, my, my birder app. Um, and so I went on to the, she took some, she's a great photographer. She grabbed the telephoto lens and I posted the pictures up on the Alberta, uh, birders, uh, Alberta birds page. And immediately people were saying, Oh, it's a Northern shrike also known as the butcher bird or oh. Vlad the impaler. Um, <laughs> yeah. And apparently they like, they'll like catch a mouse and impale it on a thorn of a, of like a thorn bush or something like that. Wow. And they, they, they use it like a tool so they can then go ahead and just, chow down yeah but yeah and and resoundingly through the whole comment section everybody was just like yep nature's brutal you know yeah i saw a video recently of a a praying mantis just feasting on like a hummingbird or something like that and and eating it alive again the guy's description again was made it even darker because he he described the way that they eat as much like a bear where they just kind of dig in they hold you with their things and they just start eating you alive I didn't know they were strong enough to grab a hummingbird. That's it. It might have been some other kind of bird, but it was bigger than the praying mantis as far as it looked, wow. and it was really wow. weird to see. Yeah, Damn. yeah. Pra- praying mantises are ruthless. They are. They are. Yeah. Well, I did a praying mantis joke not too long ago. Yeah, I mean, I it's almost a trope or something. You know, like yeah, they they kill their they kill their lovers, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's they're they're cool looking though. I remember finding them when I was a kid. The yeah, I found one last yeah. summer just out here. I couldn't believe oh, it. Oh, jealous. Yeah. I, they're kind of like, I don't want to say I was intimidated, but like he kind of turned and looked at me and I was like, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Easy now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want no trouble. Putting the gun down. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh nature is something else. That's for sure. 
Um, part of it. Getting back to your uh, your awesome comic strip, or I, don't, I guess comic strip isn't the right word, but it, you know, yeah. in that family still. The distinction between single panel and multi-panel, I think, is kind of arbitrary. I know, like, like Scott McCloud talks about how, like, single panel comics are not true comics. They're cartoons because there's no sequence. Oh, but I did a thing in the, at the Edmonton Expo. I did a little single panel panel. It was just me and, me and my publisher uh, talking about um, single panel comics and their place in comics. And I took one of my strips or my, my single panel pieces and I broke, broke it up where your eye naturally goes and, you know, saccades across the page. If you take each of those beats, because each joke usually has about three, because comedy goes in threes, yeah. um, you, know, you, you break it up and, and it's a three panel comic and it still does the same job. It's just, I have it in one border instead of three borders, but it's still, you know what I mean? So you can dance. Can, kind of, yeah. strip is a, you, know, if you can call it a strip in, in that respect. Why not? Yeah. Certainly call it a comic, damn it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, well, I, I got a couple more questions about that then. Um, one was, just elaborating why you chose to go that route and if you ever toyed with the idea of doing multi-panel and then as a follow-up question do you have a comic of yours that you're is at the top of the pile that you're just the most proud of putting out there uh well yeah i can answer both of those i guess i did try the multi-panel thing back in the day and i was i'm just not a natural storyteller really um i like coming up with a lot of different and also usually when you've got a strip you've got recurring characters mm. you've got a lot more dialogue like i was a huge fan of calvin and Hobbes, still am bill watterson's illustrative style is a massive influence on me um but the actual uh the art of setting up a punchline over that many panels is a whole completely different kettle of fish from from doing it in, at a glance in one panel uh, even though I just got through saying that your eye bounces through the, through the stages, it's still a single panel is meant to be di digested in about three seconds, um, unless it's got a paragraph of text underneath it. Whereas with the, the, you have to really be more aware of the pacing with, you know, a four or five panel or six panel um, strip. So uh, I just found that, that, you know, the, also the, the lack of commitment required with single panel comics, um, you know, in terms of telling a story, in terms of your characters, in terms of the world, the universe you have to create and all of the, you know, the, um, the rules that, that govern it are out the window. You're much more free with single panel comics. Hmm. Um, and as far as the ones that I'm most proud of, I think um, it's usually ones that don't have words because I, I have a pretty tin ear. I think that's the right word when it comes to dialogue. I'm maybe getting a little bit better at it, but generally just less is more. Even with the, if it's just descriptive, you know, caption text at the bottom. I, I feel like if I, if I, the more words I use, the more I'm really explaining the joke. Yeah. So if it can be done without any words at all, then I've really pulled something off and, you know, it'll appeal to people who don't speak English and all this other stuff. So that's true. Um, one of the first ones that I ever did was, uh, and I know I just posted a window washer joke. Um, yeah, and the, the very first window washer joke that I did was, um, and I was proud of it for a couple of reasons. One is that it didn't just come out, you know, like perfect at the beginning. I actually had to work on it for quite a while. And usually that kills the joke, but in this case it made it better. And secondly, it's just, it's, it's, it's so subtle, you know, and it's all about the expression on the window washer's face. And I don't know if you remember it, but, uh, or you've seen it, but it's, um, window washer looking in you're inside the you're inside an office standing behind a guy and he's looking out at a window washer who's looking at him but the window washer is kind of trying not to stare directly at him because that guy has just shot another guy like he's witnessed a murder from outside the building <laughs> yeah I he's standing it. there just like with the window you know with the squeegee in his hand like, i didn't see anything 
do I go down? Do I go up? Is he just going to shoot me through the glass? Like yeah. it's just this, this whole weird scene. And it just tells a story in like three beats. And I was just like, and I, I knew there was something funny about window washers because they all, they come up behind you. When I used to work in an office building that was all glass and they come up behind you and it's weird, you know, they're just right there. They can look at your computer. They can see what you're doing. They can, it's like, yeah, it's like they're, they're hanging out on the other side of the fence, you know? And well, yeah, you can imagine some, some office affair going on or some guy jerking off or something. And then, yeah, God knows what they see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so I was trying to come up with all the different, you know, just, you know, moments that, that a window washer could, that you could convey in a single panel joke. And then I just, I just drew a murder <laughs> and that was it. And so, um, but because I had to work on that one so much and it still came out just right. I was really, that felt like a sort of a benchmark for me or a watermark or whatever the, I don't know what the terminology well, it, It's interesting too, that you started off by saying that you're not really much of a storyteller because I would argue the opposite that, you know, your single panel stuff definitely tells a story, but you're, you're putting a little more of the onus on the, the viewer. And they kind of fill that in in their head a little bit. And, you know, there's mm. definitely still a story being told, but you're not feeding it in that, you know, such a linear fashion or whatever. Fair enough. Thank you. Yeah. No, I mean, you, know, you definitely never want to hold hands, uh, yeah. hold, the, hold the viewer's hands. And, and I, if I get somebody saying one or two people saying, I don't get it. And, you know, God bless them. The other, the other viewers jumping in and saying, well, here's what's going on. Or maybe it's just a pop cultural reference that people don't get. There's that too. Sometimes I almost feel like I've done a better job than if everybody gets it. Cause then maybe yeah. it's too obvious. Um, not that I'm trying to be like elitist or anything. No, I think um, there's something satisfying too about figuring out humor, like, and being like, Oh, I get it. You know, that's a good feeling yeah. for people. Yeah. And it's, it's, it works for me too, that way. Like trying to figure out just, yeah. How, how to get the most released to like leave out as much information as possible so that people have that aha moment when they get to the joke. I guess when you're doing stand-up, it's, it's, you, you set up the story such that people don't see the final twist, right? Well, they don't see yeah. what's coming. Well, I mean, there's so it's many different all- kinds of comedy, but yeah, for the yeah. most part, that sort of the twist yeah. at the end, the reveal, yeah. Yeah, like the, yeah, the Bob Newhart approach, you know, like, yeah. um, although he's also about the process. And that's, again, that's, that, I think that's more like doing a strip, um, telling the story, having a funny voice through every panel. Yeah. Um, that, that type of humor that Bob Newhart that did or does, um, you know, that's, a, that's an art and it's an art form unto itself. Very different from, say, the Mitch Hedberg approach, where it's really just about the ideas and yeah. just you know, getting out these crazy ideas as fast as you can. That's what I've always been pretty good at. Um, so that's, that's, I think, why single panel comics uh, appeal so much. Well, I would almost say that um, in, in, whether it's comics or, or comedy, stand-up comedy, that Mitch Hedberg versus someone who's like a real storyteller. The storyteller is almost like watching a sword fight and the Mitch Hedberg is just watching someone fire off shot yeah. after shot, you know? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Good analogy. I like yeah. that. Uh, I don't know. It just came to me. I thought it was cool. So I shared it. Uh, the other joke that I think comes to mind that I like is actually, and I'm not trying to do a shameless plug here, but it just occurred to me. I just got this from, uh, from society six. It's the, um, the snail collision. Yeah, yeah. A couple of snails have smashed into each other, and way over here, you've got the you got the ambulance paramedic (laughs) paramedic snail coming to the rescue. (laughs) I'm proud of that one too, just because it's so it's anti Bogart Creek in a way. It's so quiet and so um, understated, (laughs) and you know, so that doesn't happen very often. So I'm kind of well. It's such a funny concept because obviously, by the time the other snail gets there, they might be dead or something. You know. Oh yeah, and how did they collide in the first place? Yeah, exactly. Where's the velocity coming from? Yeah. It's just silly. Yeah. Like it's not, there's no, there's no um, malice or meanness or uh, blood or, you know. Yeah. It's a cute one. It's a cute one without being saccharine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
and if I can, yeah, I mean, I'm always proud when I can manage that. It's like not swearing, you know, it's, it's, it's elevated in a way, I guess. No, I've been watching, um, you should check out on YouTube. There's a comedy, I think it's a club and they're called dry bar and they only, it's all clean comics, but it's oh, some wow. of the best comedy I've seen. And it's made me aspire. Not that I was, you know, dropping f-bombs every second word or anything but like i've i've never done like a fully clean set and that's how you can get a lot of corporate gigs and stuff like that yeah, um right. also doing much longer sets than i can do i don't know how people go for an hour or whatever i can do maybe 20 minutes if i've got my guitar i'm not <laughs> I got a lot of room to grow but um yeah i don't know i just thought that was interesting it is well i mean again everybody makes their parameters right and if you don't have those you just flounder so yeah you know, I mean, whatever works for you, you know, whatever works for the individual artist, but you, you got to have, got to have some rules, I think. Yeah. Or guidelines. I've at least. got that order, you know? Yeah. Um, when we were, uh, uh, one thing I wanted to mention, when you're talking about Googling to see if your stuff's been done before, and then you get fact checked once in a while. I did see when I was going through uh, something on your website, somebody's comment underneath, you had a joke with uh, a blind guy bringing home Medusa as like, mom, I want you to meet my new girlfriend. Oh, God, that's really and then cool. the, the, he's like, mom, mom. And she's obviously been turned to stone. And then right. someone underneath is saying, oh, Medusa can't actually affect women with the power. Oh, is that so? I didn't know that either, but uh, yeah. I didn't I that was... that comment. Uh, after a certain, well, that's a really old one. So probably, I have no excuse because there's probably only about three comments anyway. Probably only about four likes or something because it was so, you know, early stages. But usually once I get more than like 10 comments, I kind of don't read them because you either get into, you, well, it's, it's self-indulgent. And also I tend to just start to get really worked up if people don't, you know, people are mis misinterpreting it or yeah. saying mean things or whatever, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, you know, you just don't want to read the comments after a certain point, but that one I would have actually responded to or looked up because I was a big fan of mythology in school. And yeah, I don't know I if the guy's right or not. I, I'm not yeah. sure if that's accurate, but I can't see why they would have written it otherwise. Um, well, I did, I did the Achilles heel joke and rightly got called out by somebody on that, although I think the joke's still funny, but I forgot the whole story. And like the reason Achilles heel was vulnerable was because his mom dipped him in, mm -hmm. in river sticks i think it was and that was the only part that didn't get covered with the magical water yeah, yeah. and i did achilles testicle <laughs> so he had just been kicked in the nuts by you know the, uh, the other soldier <laughs> um and so someone said oh so his mom grabbed him by his nuts and dipped him in the water you know and it's like oh maybe why not it's just it's just a it's a testicle it's a it's a nut kicking joke that's all it is it's just a stupid it was a stupid joke and I didn't even do my homework. So, well, much like the Medusa thing, I still laughed. It still works as a, as a joke. Most people aren't like, you know, mythological historians that are going to cut it yeah. up. They're just going to laugh and move on, you know. But there's always that nerd, God bless him, most yeah. of the time anyway, who, uh, puts it, who sets you straight. And I'd rather know than not know. Absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. but what you're saying about comment sections is, is totally true. It can get pretty toxic. I've learned that from doing this show. I should say though, most people that comment on YouTube are super nice. I've been lucky, I guess, and I'm not near big enough to have a bunch of haters. But when I had Spenny on, I got a lot of their, uh, you know, viewers or whatever. They have a huge cult following. Uh, and, and again, most of them are, are awesome. They've been so supportive. Oh, great interview, that kind of stuff. But I, I got comments that just piss you off and it riles you up. You know, people saying, oh, vaping is unprofessional. I'm like, you know what? I built this basement and this show to do it how the fuck I want to do it, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I want to be able to swear if I want to. I want to be able to have a beer if I want to. Like, it's my yeah. show. I'm going to do it how I want. But, exactly. but then I'm like, am I really going to take the time to, to write that all out to this person, you know? And yeah. Right, it, it really, yeah, it can grind your gears. Likewise, I got a lot of shit for um, 
for having a plexiglass up and trying to be like, really? Oh. Yeah. People are like, Oh, that's not even protecting you. And that kind of stuff. Or, or, or what's the point of having plexiglass when you're blowing your vape smoke all over the place, you know, shit like that. And I'm like, I don't know. I was trying my best. Like I'm human. I'm not a scientist. Well, at least uh, well, you're still going to be breathing one way or another. It's just with the vape smoke, you can see where the air circulates. Yeah. You, you can dodge it. A bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, did you hear about that case in, uh, I think it was in South Korea where, or maybe it was, uh, I think it was in South Korea where they actually determined that because of where somebody was sitting in a restaurant in relation to the air conditioner over their head, that everybody who was downwind of them got sick, but everybody else in the restaurant was fine. And it only took about five minutes for that to happen. So, you know, if you can see the, the smoke, you can see where the air is going, then maybe, uh, you know, yeah, your, you can... your, your guests can, can know uh, where they're seated, you know. Well, as I, I mentioned to some of those guys afterwards, um, with Spenny, the reason that I vaped and I didn't really care. First of all, I would always ask a guest in studio if it bothered them. That's something I've always done, mm -hmm. um, which I guess won't be an issue because I'm not vaping very much these days. But um, with Spenny, you know, I had picked him up and he didn't even wear a mask in my car. So I'm like, I don't think he's stressing real hard at the time. Uh, so, you know. Yeah, it's weird, how, it's weird how people react to the mask thing and... and I don't know. It's all very strange and, you know, it's hard, hard for everybody. So I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, you know, chew anybody out, but you know, the way I am as a, as a germaphobe and hypochondriac, I feel like, you know, standing behind plexiglass, wearing a mask, zooming instead of meeting in person, like yeah. it's not really a big sacrifice. Yeah. Like I, it may not be perfect, but why are you giving me shit for trying? You know, that's, that was my sort of viewpoint. Yeah. You're like, trying. That's, yeah. yeah you're you doing I'm not claiming to be a representative from the C CDC or something, you know, I'm just mm -hmm. trying to take whatever knowledge I, I think I have and, and at least give yeah. it a shot. No. Yeah. Cause their, their knowledge is changing every day too. Right. Like, exactly. I just, just heard on the news yesterday that or read in the news yesterday that, um, you know, are spraying down with, you know, bleaching all the surfaces and Lysol wiping everything that we buy at the grocery store. Maybe not necessary. Actually. Yeah. But it's once it lands on a countertop, it's, it's dead. Um, it's really just the breathing. That's, that's the issue. Like I'm still, I'm going to keep Lysol wiping stuff, but. Well, that's what I was going to say is uh, I, I had the same, you know, I read that shit too. And I thought, okay, I am pretty sick of washing my groceries, but I ended up continuing to do it going back to what we were talking about earlier, just because people are gross. Like, yeah, I might not yeah, get COVID, but I might get the flu or get, yeah. have one of their pubes in there or something. <laughs> Great. Thank you for that image. Now I yeah, now <laughs> you really got to scrub. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, I was going to say, um, Bogart Creek volume two came out in October, right? Uh, end of October or early November. I can't remember which. Yeah. So when can we expect volume three? Uh, maybe I don't, I can't say for sure because it's really up to my publisher if we're going to have one. I know they're he definitely, you should keep doing them. Dude, your stuff is like, I'm not just saying this to flatter you, but your, your stuff is really, really, really good. And it's up there with the people that you say inspired you, in my opinion, like I've laughed huh. as hard or harder at your stuff than I have at you know, one of Gary Larson's or, or one of those bizarros or whatever. It's, it's wow. equal to me. So Thank you so much. Um, don't stop, man. I think you're going places for sure. And the more people that get, get exposed to your stuff, the more you're just going to keep propelling yourself. So well, thank you so much. And this is helping with that. So thanks for having me on the show. Um, and yeah, I want, book, I, want book, I want book three to come out. I imagine realistically, if, if it's going to happen, I mean, the pandemic has really kicked the ass of the publishing industry. So, mm. you know, uh, I just, it's hard to predict, but um, 
uh, I would imagine maybe a year and a half or so. Like, I don't think it would be Christmas next year. That's a bit soon. Yeah. I'm optimistically hoping that maybe in a year and a half there could be, I'll certainly have the material for another book. Because uh, I'm cranking. Well, that's that what I was going to say. Is even the books you've put out, you obviously sort of handpicked because you have many others that aren't in the books. So you could yeah. just take a bunch of the ones that you didn't include. The cutting but, room floor. <laughs> well, I wouldn't. They're on your Instagram still. A lot of them, so they're not exactly yeah. cutting room floor. But True. that's actually a good question. I suppose is how did you go about the process of deciding which ones would make it into your your you know right. compilation yeah. books. I leaned really heavily on my wife. Um, she's the curator of the books. Um, and she also figures out what ones face each other on pages. I mean, oh, my cool. publisher as well. Um, they sort of shared that, that, um, that responsibility. I'm too close to it to, and also just don't seem to have a knack for knowing, like, again, like the, the sequence that things work well in. Mm-hmm. Like she was, you know, I printed them all off, stuck them to the wall or put them out on the floor. And then we just sort of went through and put X's and stuff on the ones that, that weren't, we weren't really, you know, thrilled with. Um, so thin it, thin it down to maybe about 200, 250, because we've got to ultimately get it down to 136 pages. So about 134 jokes. Um, <clears throat> but then figuring out which ones complement each other facing, you know, on facing pages, she just naturally has an instinct for not only the compositional compliments. So like you notice, like there'll be like a diagonal this way on one page and a diagonal that way on another. Yeah. She would think about that stuff, but also thematically, you know, like there'll be two pages that have horse jokes on them or hamster jokes or whatever. She'll pair them off that way. And I just, I just didn't see it amidst this whole big pile of, of, of gags, you know? So yeah, uh, God bless her. My wife, Jillian did uh, the lion's share of that. And, um, and then of course it also fell to my publisher to let me know if he thought any had been left out um, that should be included or um, swap things around. Um, there are also some, yeah, after a certain point, Jillian was a bit, you know, over it, you know, and it's just like, that's, I've said my piece, it's up to you guys to finish it. And, and so there was some that we swapped out later on that, uh, you know, Alexander, it's Alexander Finbo from Renegade Arts Entertainment was, uh, my, my publisher and a great guy. He, uh, he made the final calls on, uh, on, on areas where there was some weak spots, that kind of thing too. So. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about the aesthetic of like, which ones would face each other. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> no, I figured, yeah. Just pick the ones you like and throw them all together and there you are. But no, it's, it's good to think these things through. It's, and it's yeah. smart that you included, uh, at least I noticed when I was looking through the books, several like pop culture, you know, easy to associate with a lot of people's interests or whatever you want to say, you know, like the aliens and uh, yeah. superhero stuff. I, there was a, I believe a couple of the superhero ones made it in, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there's a, a Hawkman's first day as a superhero. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's um, Thanos at, uh, he's, he's very nonplussed at visiting someone's infinity pool. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah, and Batman and Robin eating some bad oysters. Um, so, yeah, actually, this, this uh, book two had more, had twice as many pop cultural jokes, it turns out, as book one. I didn't even realize that until my dad pointed it out. He's not, a big, he's not a huge fan of those, I don't think. Um, well, if you don't also, get the reference, then it's, you know, obviously less enjoyable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but for the people who do get the reference, sometimes it's even more enjoyable. Like I loved, I don't think it was in either of your books, but your one where uh, you see just Spider-Man walking down the, the road and this was his one and only trip to the prairies. Right. That's yeah. something that's always been joked about, you know, if there's no buildings, he's kind of a lot less effective. Yeah. He can't wind yeah. anywhere. Yeah, that one I think I drew after the, the selections have been made for book three, okay. but I, I don't think I'd have included it anyway, because actually 
in the comments section, I don't remember where it was exactly, probably Imager, someone said, oh, you must be a fan of so-and-so, you know? And uh, I was like, oh, crap, who's so-and-so? Has it happened again? And I looked uh, them up, and it was a stand-up comic from 10 years ago who had an act where he talks about Spider-Man being stuck in, like, the middle of Oklahoma or something like that. Mm. And I mean, he can't shoot his webs on anything. So it's the same joke, but he wouldn't stand up for him. Um, and, you know, again, I Googled it. I looked it up for cartoons that had done it. There's only so much you can do, yeah. Yeah, but I can't possibly know what was put in a stand-up act from 10 years ago. I mean, it, it's one of the challenges of doing pop cultural jokes, though. It's kind of like puns, right? We, you, there's, a, there's, a, there's a certain set number of things that we all know. You know, there are metaphors. And like, like, the, like words in the English language, everybody has those to play with. You know, it's, it's more likely that somebody's going to have to come up with a Fred Flintstone joke than just a caveman joke, you know? Yeah. No, with Spider-Man too, people used to always joke about the old 60s cartoon where he was effectively swinging from the clouds. Yeah. Yeah, those are awesome. And uh, I think, wasn't it a Canadian who did the music? Did did the awesome soundtrack? That I didn't know. I think, yeah, he passed away not too long ago. And uh, a lot of people were surprised, myself included, to to learn that that was a Canadian. I feel like I've got to Google that now, but pretty (laughs) sure. Pretty sure. Yeah. I I had a joke a while ago that I did a couple of times about how Spider-Man never really had like a New Yorker accent. And I was, and some people have said Tom Holland has a bit of an accent, but I mean, like I wanted like, um, what's his name? Good Lord. I'm swinging here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That was one of them. Hey, I'm web slinging here or like, uh, Hey, that, that Mary Jane, you know, I'll give her a different kind of web fluid, which is a little crass, but you know, oh, dear. <laughs> that kind of a vibe. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to wrap this up, but, um, yeah. there's a couple of things. I w- well, first I wanted to just point out a couple of yours that I really love. I love the, uh, the whale humping the submarine and they're just like battle stations. That's so good. <laughs> there's a sexual joke. I found I got one in there. Yeah, exactly. That was a sexual one. And, uh, the Pac-Man one where there's a guy waiting at a stoplight and he's looking at the little walking man symbol with the Pac-Man. And then you've got the Pac-Man just, just coming in from the panel. I just thought that one was genius too. Pac-Man, I, just, I find Pac-Man really funny for some reason. It's a weird know. character. Yeah. Three Pac-Man, Pac-Man jokes now so far. Oh, really? Yeah. I did Indiana Jones being chased by the, by Pac-Man as he comes out of the cave at the beginning of, uh, Raiders okay, of Lost Ark. Yeah. Yeah. And I did um, sort of an homage to uh, Walking Dead where you've got uh, one ghost is in front of the other ghost as Pac-Man's chasing him and he shoots him in his what would be a ghost foot. And the one ghost is falling on the ground about to be eaten by Pac-Man. He's kind of like, you bastard. (laughs) I I, I saw that one. Um, Okay, well, uh, hopefully everyone will go check out your stuff. They definitely should. Uh, But before we go, I'll ask you, I have a question we ask everybody at the end of the episode. It's changed for this season. We've modified it a bit, but it now is, if you could go to any point in history for a day and have dinner with somebody, who would it be and when would that be? Oh, man, I really wish you told me this before. (laughs) I like this. Because I'm going to come up with something and afterwards I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night and be like, why didn't I say Jimi Hendrix? Yeah. if I could go back in time and have dinner with anybody. Yeah, for a day. So you get to come back to your own time period after, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, so, you now the obvious sort of tearjerker answer would be like my grandfather, who I never really got to know, right? Oh, sorry. I should have uh, someone that you've never met. I always leave out that okay. part. Hmm. Oh, jeez. Maybe I should prep people on this one. Yeah. Give them, give so open ended. Yeah. Well, because, yeah, because I don't want to sound like a, you know, pompous you know if i say so oh albert einstein you know like that's a cool one well it would be yeah yeah but you know that's rather obvious or you know some um, people might say jesus like what really went down you know yeah yeah that's <laughs> not maybe not the last supper but uh yeah <laughs> um a meal meal hmm 
Well, while you're thinking, I'll just about go ahead and say, I'll go ahead and say, Mitch, uh, Mitch Hedberg, sit down hey, and have perfect. a, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I would love to uh, just, yeah, it would be a one-sided conversation. I just, well, I don't know how chatty he really was, but. Yeah, I wonder if he spoke in one-liners, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it might be a very stilted conversation. Yeah, that's a great answer, though. I'll think of something else as soon as 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 we uh, hang up, and uh, I'll be kicking myself for the rest of the week. But, uh, yeah. I got to say, too, has anyone ever told you that you look like Owen Wilson with a fixed nose? (laughs) <laughs> yeah actually <laughs> okay it's just dawning on me seeing you through this uh the zoom nose thank you for adding that <laughs> well i mean his is kind of glaringly crooked yeah. yeah he has an unusual nose it's true no i i mean i i see it when people point it out but i completely forget it the rest of the time like i, I love um is he the one in midnight in paris i believe so i haven't okay. seen that but i think i vaguely know of it yeah yeah so yeah i mean i love that movie i watch it a lot and can you give uh, us a wow <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. I, 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 I've only seen Zoolander in pieces, eh? Like, it's tragic. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, I know it's supposed to be brilliant. My wife loves it. I've just never seen it. The first that. one, at least, yeah. Oh, okay. I'll the sequel one. was... Mm. And I, everyone knows him from Wedding Crashers as well, was another one oh, yeah, really big. Right. Yeah, I liked him in that, too, yeah. Anyway, yeah, he I seems like a nice guy. Him. Yeah, yeah. He does seem like a nice guy. And, he yeah, almost... and he's pretty neurotic, too, so we share that in common. Well, he had, a, I think, a suicide attempt like 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Oh, now I feel bad for saying that. Um, but, yeah, well, I'm glad he didn't. Yeah, um, same here. Yeah, hopefully yeah. he keeps making movies. Yeah, and yeah, hopefully things are turned around. That sucks. He's, he's going to be in that Loki show, too. Oh, really? Yeah, I saw the trailer for uh, Loki's getting a show on Disney+, Plus, and he's like some agent who works at this place. You should check it out. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. That'll pay the bills. Yeah, well definitely. Done. Well done, Mr. Wilson. Yeah, I'm sure he was living pretty already. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Um, thanks again, man, so much for uh, just taking the time to talk with me, and I'll continue to enjoy your work. And uh, we're going to say goodbye, but but stay on the call so I can tell you a couple of mine after this. Oh, yeah, I look forward to that. And thank you so much for having me on and uh, for your support. And, um, and congrats on your show. It's, it's growing success. I, I think you're thank really you, going man. places. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm honored to be uh, a part of it. So thanks. cheers. Thank you so much. BogardCreek.com. Check it out. And Instagram. Uh, Thanks a lot. Bye, man. Take care.